The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. We have Paul Barker, who is the Liberal Democrats candidate for Karangamite. We're trying to have all of the Karangamite candidates on once a month between now and the election so that they can inform the listeners about their perspective on the issues. And we want to make sure that people can make an informed choice when they go into vote. So, Paul, thank you very much for being on the program. Thanks, Mitchell. Great to be back. Well, just first of all, um, this rally that took place on the weekend, there's been a bit of fallout from that. I see just uh, recently, like in the last hour or so, Andy Medic has been criticising people that attended and is saying the gov- the opposition needs to admonish the people that attended and uh, talked about some of the elements of that rally where people were holding up nooses, etc. And John Aaron on the program yesterday also had similar sentiments uh, discrediting the rally. So, what was your experience like? Because um, I think from your Instagram, you were there at that rally. Was it a majority of people holding up nooses and that sort of thing? No. <laughs> no. Uh, it's like any... Well, we need to get back to the start of it. In a free society um, that operates in a democracy, people should be able to freely express their views. Um, from my observation, there was a huge amount of people, some suggesting thousands, some were suggesting tens of thousands, some suggesting a hundred thousand. Um, whatever the end number was, it was a significant amount of people. Uh, and to be clutching at straws and claiming that a couple of individuals represent the whole body, um, I think is a, a bit of a farcical nature. Do you condemn some of the things that were seen there, like holding up nurses and uh, depicting the Premier as being from Nazi Germany, etc.? Uh, not overly. Like there's the the problem is that some people feel that if their feelings are impacted, it should shut down other people expressing their views. Now, I, I don't condone um, some of the things that were said, but I, I definitely support people being able to express their views as long as they're not harming anyone. And uh, that rally, are you able to have outdoor gatherings to that size? I mean, I guess the question is with COVID, can it be done safely? Or do you think this issue is so important that we have to put those uh, sort of questions to one side and push on with making people's voices heard about this legislation? Well, there's been dozens upon dozens upon dozens of gatherings, not not to this size, um, all, all surrounded about this nature of um, excess government overreach. And to my knowledge, there hasn't been a significant amount, if any, confirmed cases of outdoor transmission of COVID. So um, even if there has been a handful, um, based on the numbers that are gathering, um, it's an insignificant amount. Um, And what you highlight about people being heard, I think is incredibly important at this time. Um, It's a state issue, but it affects all of us at local and federal as well, we've got um, a whole bunch of issues with the bill. I I don't really want to delve into it now because it's not really my forte, but there's plenty of people commenting um, both accurately and inaccurately on the topic. Um, And that would need some time to delve into it itself, but um, I'd, I'd rather focus on federal issues for the moment. Yeah, that's fair enough. I just thought it was important to talk about that given that uh, it does seem to be generating a lot of attention. And now this Freedom Manifesto that uh, the Liberal Democrats has put out, is that the policies that you're taking to the next federal election? Yes. 
So that encapsulates 10 broad headings of policy that will be taken to the federal election, actually includes over 60 individual policies on a whole range of different topics. Um, and I've actually been quite heartened to see that there's a significant amount of people that have actually joined the Liberal Democrats as a result of having read it. And how did the policy development process come about? How do you work as a party? Is it a sort of democratic process with all of the party members or who actually writes this? Uh, we've got a core team that develops policy because it's the sort of thing that even within um, a political party, you can't please all the people all the time. So there does need to be a little bit of leadership shown by um, the, the core policy development group. Uh, but a lot of people did have... Um, suggestions. I, I had some con, uh, content um, contributed as part of that. Uh, but it all sort of stems from our, our historical approach of being the party for sex and drugs and rock and roll. Um, and, and given that we're 20 years old, we're starting to mature. So while we, we still have certain segments as, as a core part of our base, um, we're maturing to the point that we're starting to really attack some of the the significant issues of the day, and only once the significant issues of the day can be resolved, such as um, excess surveillance, um, uh, skyrocketing prices on energy, um, once we can get a bit more competition into that sector um, and get some freedoms restored, then we can start working on the, um, the other bits and pieces that we've traditionally advocated for. So, just having a look at the policies, and we may not get to all of them, but we'll see what we can do in the time. Uh, The first one says, freedom from COVID alarmism. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, so that falls down to the fact that it's a a legitimate issue. Um, There's there's no doubt about that. But the response has been, in my opinion, grossly disproportionate um, and has been driving a lot of fear in the community. Uh, and that's been both at a state and federal level. And when you're operating on the basis of fear, you're not really looking forward to the next 5, 10, 50, 100 years. So our view and my view is that if we can develop some sound policies, such as opening the schools, not lockdowning, uh, not locking down again, um, allowing peaceful protests to be the norm, um, and increasing the availability and choice within the vaccine supply, we should be able to manage the risk in a sensible way. Now, recall elections, this is one that I find particularly interesting. How would that work? So what it basically means is that either between the recall elections or a citizen's veto of any legislation, it just creates this this bit of oversight over the elected body that they don't just have free reign to do as they please. If a significant amount of the population, and we haven't set a specific percentage on that, um, that's still up for debate. But there needs to be a point with which the people can have their say to either call another election or um, repeal a specific bit of legislation that uh, isn't in the public interest. So what would that look like? I mean, I know that you say you're still working out the details, but would 
you have to have, I don't know, 10%, 20% of the population sign a petition or something like that to bring about a recall election or to repeal legislation? What would that look like? Yeah, I think some countries can do it with uh, smaller percentages, but uh, somewhere around that 10% should be enough to um, create the the process. Um, And then once it's taken to the people, obviously um, it'd be... Uh, resolved at the ballot then. Incidentally, we have uh, fixed-term elections at local and state government, but we don't have it at federal politics. The party of the day by convention gets to sort of tell the Governor-General when to call the election. Is that something you support, or would you prefer a model which is fixed-term elections? Uh, definitely fixed. Uh, the the whole concept of being able to, to call it as you please um, really politicises the nature of Politics is politics, but uh, uh, it gives too much power to the incumbents where if it's a set date, uh, and this is across the board, like in terms of policy development, we're always keen to set a date, not a rate, um, because people need certainty. Um, and it actually helps the democratic process because with that certainty, people can plan around it. Um, and the government of the day doesn't have that ability to sort of uh, manipulate the, the situation so that it becomes in their favour. Another area of policy is debt and deficit, and debt has been increasing uh, since, I think, about 2008 in Australia, yes. government debt and uh, deficit. Well, there have been all deficit budgets since that time as well. Yes, um, that's a huge one, and it's one that I highlighted in my campaign video uh, campaign launch video, where in 2005, on a per capita basis, gross national debt was minuscule, um, maybe $3,000 per citizen, um, where recently we've got up to the point where it's well in excess of $20,000 per citizen, and I'm not totally against debt. That there's times where it's called for, but if you have a look at the explosion of debt since 2008, uh, it doesn't matter whether it's Labor or Liberal. Um, they've both run huge deficit budgets and it's just about at the point where it's getting... Uh, well, it's definitely unsustainable, but uh, if someone doesn't put the brakes on it, it's going to get to the point where it's unrecoverable. And uh, taxation, what would that look like under the Liberal Democrats? Uh, quite simple, actually. Um Accountants and businesses should find it much easier if we're able to uh, implement our tax policy at a result in a tax-free threshold increasing to $40,000. So those that are in that middle to lower income bracket can actually get ahead uh, and that'd be indexed to uh, end the bracket creep. A flat tax of 20% on all income above $40,000. So that gives everyone quality across the board, flat company tax rate of 20% on profits and removing company tax on reinvested profits to incentivise growth and development within business. What would be the impact to government taxation receipts if you did that? Would it be a substantial drop in the amount of tax revenue coming in? Oh, most definitely. Uh, And we'd balance that by cutting all sectors, all public departments by 10% in the, the first instance. Uh, which saves hundreds of billions of dollars there. 
and the uh, all except defence. Um, defence is a, a core component that we wouldn't cut. There's obviously uh, better ways to spend money there. And then year on year, we would cut all departments except defence by a further 1%. So it gets to the point that we have a clear plan that's quite attainable to rein in spending. So while we reduce the, the tax that we collect, it also reduces the amount being spent. Well, unfortunately, we've run out of time to go through the others, but I'm looking oh, forward no. to. <laughs> but I am looking forward to talking about it with you in the lead up between now and election, because there's a lot of interesting policy proposals there that we can put forward, and uh, it'll be an interesting conversation, I'm sure. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on when the election might be, but some people are suggesting it might be um, a fair while away, and maybe May next year, which gives you a few months. Some people are yeah, saying maybe it might be a snap election in February. Uh, I'm forecasting April. Um, well, there you but, go. Um, I'll, I'll let the, the punters figure out how to uh, bet on when it is. Well, thank you very much for being on the program, and uh, we will talk to you again next time, which I think is actually not until uh, February because we're taking a bit of a Christmas break. But I appreciate you giving me your time this morning. No worries. Thank you, Mitchell. Thank you, Councillor Paul Barker there from Sefco Shire, who's also running for Karangamite as the Liberal Democrats candidate. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.